Welcome to the 10th episode of District Divided. We have officially made it to double digits. I'm your host, Amit Singh. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all. Thank you all so much for listening and for joining me on this journey so far. It has certainly been one hell of a ride. Starting a sports podcast in February of this year was quite the decision looking at it now. (laughs) But very appreciative for you guys and you taking the 20 to 40 minutes to listen each week. It means a lot to me. We've got a very Redskins-centric episode for you all today. But first, we have a new logo. A special thanks to Emma Johnson for the Kick-Ass First logo. It was the thing that was needed to get District Divided to Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and more. So, Emma, thank you so, so much for what is truly a very major contribution to the show. Without you, it would not be on those platforms right now. Onto this new logo, it has three stars. It's red, white, and clean. It represents DC. And most importantly, it looks like a Dragon Ball. Kadeen Wiggins is the artist, and he's actually also the guest today where we talk about everything Redskins. That's right, Kadeen Wiggins is back. We're going to talk about how the offseason has been so far. We'll talk about some of those free agents he wanted, we didn't get, the ones we did get. We'll talk about that. And of course, the draft. What should we do with that number two pick? And what are some names we should look out for in the later rounds of the draft? We wrap that segment up with a few hypothetical scenarios, some fun ones. And then I've spent the last week watching Dwayne Haskins' film on NFL Game Pass. Which again, guys, if you're football fans, definitely sign up for NFL Game Pass. You can watch every single game from the last 10 plus years for free right now. Highly recommend it. I looked at some All-22 film and reviewed full games of his. So we'll talk about some specific instances of what I saw through his first three games as a starter at Buffalo, against the Jets, and against the Lions. I will get into the final four games of his season next week as another segment on District Divided. With that, let's jump right on in to the interview with Kadeen Wiggins. A lot of you mentioned just how much you loved Kadeen Wiggins' knowledge on the Washington Redskins. Well, I listened, and I brought him back. Kadeen, how are you doing today? I am great and glad to know there's a uh, there's an appetite for me out there. People love me. I know, I know. It's just good that they got the bug from your podcast, too. Yeah, I mean, and I even had to cut some of that audio just because, again, it sounded like I was screaming the whole time. But <laughs> in those 15 minutes, you managed to get a following. You got a couple love letters, actually. I had to filter those out a little bit because I was like, whoa, easy there, easy there. There's going to be more. Don't worry. There's going to be more. But uh, yeah, no, it's great to have you back. And that new logo that I just put out, is clean my friend how did you even make that it's just something i like to do in my spare time man i'm a what they call a renaissance man so jack of all trades not a master of any um so a lot of downtime in this whole era of the quarantine i've just been kind of honing in on some of the skills as far as graphic design go but um district divided i mean it's it's all about what dc sports i'm a native washingtonian i wanted something to really represent it get those colors the red and white really popping on there and to make sure, like, I got that DC flag tattoo right here on my arm, man. I wanted to make sure it was very, very prevalent in what you had going. 
I mean, you talk about loyalty at its absolute finest. Thank you again, Kadeen, for that logo. Again, clean, absolute fire. And uh, yeah, hey, if you need to know about his loyalty, again, it's right on the shoulder. So why don't we just get straight into it? We're now just over a week away from the NFL draft, which is like the only thing going on in sports right now. And thank goodness for it. How are you feeling heading into the draft as a Skins fan? It's just, I'd say this draft more than anything just feels weird. I think because of what's going on just as society at large right now, what's happening in the world. Like it just, I think there's been more of a build up towards like looking forward to this because as you said, there's been that sport drought, right? But I mean, outside of that, as a Redskins fan, um, the the Ron Rivera era has started. Like we're we're done with Bruce Allen. Dan Snyder looks like at least he's found his spot that he needs to be in as far as not overstepping, hopefully. So, I mean, you get that back to that feeling you get when it's the first draft of a new coach. Like, there is an excitement. There's what is he going to do now? What is it going to look like? What is the mark that he's going to have in this team going forward? Um, and then just the thought process of, like, some of these exciting guys that are in the draft, what this coaching staff can do with them. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of excitement built up, but then there's also this – strangeness there's not going to be that green room that they usually have right on draft day we're not going to see those guys all around radio city music hall or wherever else that they would do and hold the draft so i think that there's just this um a careful anticipation of just the newness of it all but as a redskins fan like you you, you kind of want to bend it back to basics and just saying i want to see what ron rivera does fair enough and out of curiosity you were talking about how it just feels strange you know with everything that's going on do you feel, and this is just what you think, your own personal opinion, the combine, stuff like that, meeting with the players, do you think that maybe not being able to see the guy run a sub 4-4 is actually helpful to teams or does that actually hurt teams? Because I know draft stock can go up and down for players and stuff like that. I think it would be more of a bad, more of a bad thing for a lot of those players that are like those those combine day warriors, right? I'm not a believer at all that the combine means all that much. Yeah, you can know speed, but how many guys do we know that are extremely fast and flamed out in the NFL, right? How many guys do we know that got the bench press and broke records on it and don't have anything to do in the league once they get in? So, I mean, I I like the idea of trying to get these measurables on these guys, but. As far from a player thing, I think you talk to a lot of the NFL coaches, too, that say that they'd rather see how the guys work at a pro day. They'd rather see how the guys work at the senior bowl or just watching game tape. You're going to see a lot more about how a guy performs on game day than you are by watching them in a very careful circumstance or a very controlled situation run a 40-yard dash where – at the end of the day, it was never really the only benchmark to see whether or not they're going to be quality talent. So at the end of the day, I, I, I like the idea that maybe this year we'll have people look towards the things that really matter instead of us falling in love with some guy because he runs really fast. Yeah, I mean, that's great news for the Raiders if Hal Davis were still in charge because that guy <laughs> always got into trouble with the combine. Right? So, yeah, <laughs> so, you know, maybe good for them. Now, of course, rest in peace, Hal Davis. Um but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think this does help teams. They just look at the college film and they just look at making football plays instead of can you run in a straight line 40 yards pretty quickly or right. how, mu- how much can you bench press? Everyone's strong in the NFL. Everyone's fast in the NFL. Let's just get to uh-huh. football. 100%. And even when you talk about like the meetings that they're having, I mean, you hear now they're doing the meetings via like Zoom and Skype or whatever it is that they're using, right? 
I mean, and a lot of the times you hear that a lot of the meetings that they have with those players end up being more problematic than ever because you got coaches that are out of touch when it comes to the players, asking them all the wrong questions and not really getting an idea of character anyway. Um, it's just I, when I see the way that the situation, the way that the system works itself, it's high time that we're actually taking a look at it and doing things differently. It sucks that it took this particular thing to get there, but maybe it doesn't. And so now moving forward, we had spoken about the moves you wanted the Redskins to make in free agency. Since then, free agency actually began and moves were made. What were your thoughts on the signings that the Redskins made? Overall, I think it's really, really good, albeit it felt really weird again, right? Talking about in the sense of, but this is the Ron Rivera era. I mean, if we go back and you listen to the podcast I did with you as far as like my list of free agents, I don't think anyone I had <laughs> ended up in Washington. I mean, um, there was one guy who's probably my favorite signing um, this year, but it was more the, the way that they got him was Kendall Fuller. Um, just having him come back. I mean, I, I wanted to see them do things when it came to the quarterback position, but um, having him back is is great to me. I mean, I can go over a couple of the free agent signings if you want me to. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Please do. Yeah, so like running down the list of the guys that we got, the ones that really speak out to me are Kendall Fuller. You got a guy who just played in the Super Bowl. He was here with us in D.C. Everybody knew him as a talent. When they did the trade for Alex Smith, I think everybody had a collective, uh, man, we were getting rid of Kendall Fuller. He was a he's a homegrown product, even from the area locally, as far as like going to school down in Virginia. And it's it's nice to see him come back and he has like that winning attitude and the dude can still play and I still think the best years are ahead of him. Um Thomas Davis, who's kind of falls on the other angle, uh be it the linebacker we just signed, who's a guy that the Carolina uh, that Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio know, at least Ron Rivera knows down in Carolina. And is an older guy, linebacker, I don't think anybody's looking at him to be a pro bowler for us. But what he does do is bring in that veteran leadership. He knows what Ron Rivera is looking for. And he can be that guy who's in that locker room really teaching these guys the way it's done. I mean, if you look at that front seven for Washington right now, they look stacked. But the one thing that you'll see more than anything is that they're just young. Ryan Kerrigan's there, but we're still unsure about his entire contract situation going forward. But having Thomas Davis there, I think, is a huge, huge thing to really get those young guys to play for something and to get the right leadership under them. Um, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, another linebacker that they signed um, out of Chicago, that's a guy who, once again, it's not like a huge name or anything, but when uh, Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan went down, he stepped in, did a serviceable job, and he's another guy that you can get in that can bring that depth, and you got a guy that wants to be a starter, and he's going to drive competition there. Um, I, I like that pick, too. Um, it, once again, a younger guy who's maybe his best years are ahead of him. Uh, Sean Davis free safety also a nice local guy um he's not been a star at all in the league but you can see that he's hungry and he played for a winning organization in pittsburgh i never have a problem with a pittsburgh Steeler coming over unless his name is antonio brown right so um <laughs> I, I like that you have a guy in that 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 you can see he really wants to play and he really wants to do some good work and i i i'd like to see what he can do there especially under the leadership of ron and jack del Rio. Um, Ronald Darby, um, another guy that they brought in, um, excited to see what he can do. Uh, the, the ones that are kind of iffy for me as far as free agents, but I can understand what they were doing with like the Logan Thomas and Richard Rogers, the tight ends. I mean, Richard Rogers, I guess was to a certain degree a safety valve for, uh, Aaron Rodgers up in green Bay, but I mean, their tight ends for the most part always kind of sucked. Now, I don't know if that's the system. 
But, um, I mean, they, neither of those guys have really shown me anything other than being some good depth guys. I'd still like to see us do some more there. And then you mentioned it on the uh, podcast I listened to a couple weeks ago as far as the running backs. We signed J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber. And um, those are not scrubs. Those are both guys that have done things in the league and they have showed promise. It's just we got a lot of running backs, man. I, I, don't, I, I understand depth and I understand trying to keep them healthy. And if you look at what they do in Carolina, especially when it came to, like, Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey, there are going to be a lot of touches going to the running backs. So um, maybe it's just to keep everybody healthy, but I don't know if you can really justify keeping five running backs on a roster. It just seems like overkill to me. I don't know. I totally agree. And, I, you know, if we were in the same room, you should have seen me when you were talking about Thomas Davis. I was like, yes, this man gets it. Like, Thomas Davis playing under Ron Rivera for what felt like 10 years or so, maybe more, maybe a little less. Yeah. The guy knows how Ron Rivera wants to run things here in D.C. So, yeah, are we going to get the on-field production of a Pro Bowl Thomas Davis, which has happened in years past? No, we're probably not going to get that. But in terms of what he can bring to John Bostic, to Cole Holcomb, to these young guys, like you're talking about, completely, completely priceless information. And so very, very excited about Thomas Davis and I think it was an under the radar type signing that's going to go a long way for this defense that gave up a lot of points last year Kendall Fuller I think is a fantastic player I want to say he was you know on the pro football focus rankings before he got traded either number one in the slot or at least top five or something like that and he's you know like you said Virginia Tech product so him coming back home huge Sean Davis 26 back home huge very excited with what the Redskins did there. I totally agree. And those running backs, I have no idea why those guys, like you said, they're not scrubs, why they were brought in. That's still a bit weird to me. Uh, Adrian Peterson actually ran the ball really well. You know, the final six games, Darius Geis, when he was healthy, did too. So Peyton Barber, I don't see him taking either one of their spots unless they have real questions about Peterson, because I think Geis has to be on the roster. And, but I know uh, another guy that you're excited about is Bryce Love, right? And I love Bryce Love. Yeah, right, we haven't well, seen it's him do anything name. yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. We'll we'll see what McKissick uh, does. I anticipate that McKissick and Barber will not ultimately be on the roster, and that we will stick with Love, and we will stick with Peterson. And guys, maybe we carry one of those two guys, McKissick or Barber, but nothing beyond that. I don't think. But tell me if you agree with me on this, and as far as, like, especially when it comes to the Thomas Davis thing, right, is that you can really see Ron Rivera, and to kind of take it back outside of the free agency stuff just alone, you look at what we're doing as far as, and I know you mentioned on the podcast, um, the getting rid of Quentin Dunbar, right, and um, really changing the culture there in the building. All those guys that we just named that they're signing, I don't know about you, but the, the, onus, the, the, the feeling I get as far as their brand is that they're hungry. These are guys that want to prove something. Um, and they're guys that are going to come in there and want to put the team first. You bring those local kids that looked up to the Redskins when they were growing up. They want to make this city proud. I, I feel good about the guy. They're getting high character guys that are going to want to go in there and play and play to the hardest of their abilities and play for their teammates and play for their coaches and play for the city. And I love that vibe that I'm getting. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea. I think more teams should be doing it. And I fully expect to see that translate to wins on Sunday's assuming the you know league can start on time and things like that. But I think the Redskins did do a very good job this offseason with those signings. That being said, we did miss out on some players. You had mentioned like Amari Cooper, for example, or Emmanuel Sanders at wide receiver, where yeah. at, that, at those skill positions, we do need some help. 
was there any one player in particular that you wanted that you were upset or pissed off that we missed out on in free agency? Well, here's the thing. Like I said, on the when I was on the podcast last, I had that list of free agents that I wanted to see, and none of them worked out, right? So, I mean, right. at the end of the day, there was at least a little bit of disappointment, at least initially. But when I look at the finances, not that really bummed out about any of it. I mean, I look at the Amari Cooper thing and say, I'm bummed out because I know how much money we offered him. And he went to Dallas when it came to – and I think the, the, the cost was – is it the same or a little less that he went back to Dallas for, Right. Um, right, five so years, hundred million dollars. That's a lot of money to tie up in a wide receiver position. That I know that we have a lot of guys that I'm excited to see what they do round two, uh, second year up, right? And um, I, I think the only ones that I really look at is maybe like a Byron Jones. I'd like to, see, I, I would like to see another corner in here, especially now that Quentin Dunbar's gone, um, a proven corner. But outside of that, I mean, Bradbury, too much money. There's just a lot of guys that they're just overpaying a lot, and I don't see that they have the production really that's worthwhile of that while as you bring in these guys that are kind of hungry you build through the draft you build it the right way and see how it works from there but i think the omari cooper thing would just be the swallowing that tough pill that was like oh man i would have liked to see him or austin hooper too much money i would have never i would have never liked to see the redskins pour that much money into austin hooper right but so i don't think i'm necessarily that disappointed when i look at the finances yeah totally fair i actually think in the case of austin hooper when we look at that deal in two years, it'll look fine because the cap right. seems to just keep going up for whatever reason. I still don't fully understand how that works, but it's always like, oh yeah, no, they have this much cap space. And then two weeks later, they're like, actually, we just released a new one. You have a hundred million dollars. And so does everybody else. Mix, I, I don't fully understand that, but the Austin Hooper deal, fine. Amari Cooper got paid and I am totally fine that the Redskins did not end up signing him because like you said, 20 million a year, that's a cap hit. It was clear that Amari wanted to stay in Dallas and they were just taking their time. So I don't think you could be too upset with the skins who actually offered more money than that. So I think they dodged a bullet in that respect because it's a very deep wide receiver class in the draft this year. And like you said, you know, Terry McLaurin is that dude. My goodness. I was rewatching some of Haskins, you know, games from this past season and McLaurin makes the man look good. And then Kelvin Harmon, (laughs) it's scary. Terry. Calvin Harmon looks really good. Steven Sims is shifty. He's like that dude in pickup football where if you give him a little bit of space, see you later. He returns kicks really well. He returns punts really well. He is dangerous out of the slot and even at the two. So I like, I like the Troy Quinn too. Players. I love Troy Quinn. I mean, Steven Sims kind of took his spot, but um, I, I still love what Troy, what Troy, sorry, Troy Quinn can do for the Redskins, being Mr. Irrelevant to being somebody that can actually produce. And he does stuff on special teams. I really like that guy. I love that wide receiving court. Yeah, and let's not forget Cam Sims, another big body yeah, who Cam in the Sims, last couple games showed he could do a couple things. Now, so switching gears to the draft, we've talked about it a little bit, but the elephant in the room, right? I mean, everyone's talking about that number two pick. What should the Redskins do with it? What are your thoughts on it, Kadeen? Chase Young. And it's just sometimes we can overthink these things, <laughs> which I think a lot of people can kind of do. I know me and you... Well, um, me and you have talked, at least I've, I've heard your Tua take on District Divided, and I, I got it to a certain degree, but then I also know that you've seen what we did as far as Kyle Allen goes, so you kind of know that's probably not going to happen, right? Um, outside of that, unless there is one hell of a package deal being sent to us, I mean something akin to what we had to give up to get RG3. 
I think you sit tight and you get the guy. Look, the draft is the draft. There's no guarantees in this thing, right? There's none. But you can go with what's best or safest pick to go with. Now, the Redskins have a lot of needs. So, I mean, if you can trade down and get a lot of different picks, do what you need to do to get more talent on the team. But I don't see, at least I'm not hearing anything brewing that anybody's going to give us the farm for Chase Young. So at that sort of situation, you just stick with the pick. Best guy on the board, you do it. Now, the more that this quarantine happens, the more I'm starting to love um, uh, Simmons. But I'm going to stay away from that. (laughs) We're going to stick with Chase Young. Chase Young, second pick. Goes to Redskins, perennial pro bowler. All right, fair enough. And I would not hate that pick, obviously. In fact, I would like it quite a bit for the Redskins because – Chase Young, by all accounts, is going to be an elite pass rusher, one, top five probably, right? So it's a great pick. It's a safe pick. It makes sense because then you have that D-line of Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Ryan Kerrigan, Chase Young, Matt Ioannidis, who gets doubled on every single play. What are you going to do with all these guys one-on-one? It's easy to salivate over that, and I understand that. So the defense is going to look phenomenal. And the best part about it, you have Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera at the helm. It's not just some, it's not Greg Minuski wasting his talent. It's the best guys that there to take care of this. I'm so excited about the prospects of this. And yeah, like you said, two proven coaches and Kendall Fuller now over there back home, Sean Davis back home, like we've been talking about Thomas Davis helping that defense out. When you look at it on paper, and I feel like every team does this. They go, we have a top five defense now. The Redskins legitimately would on paper with Chase Young with them. Now, my question to you, because I was thinking about it a bit more, and Ron Rivera's comments about, you know, Kyle Allen maybe even starting the season if, you know, training camp is cut short, for example, because of what's going on right now with coronavirus. Does that not worry you for the way he thinks about Kyle Allen versus Dwayne Haskins? And if it does, if you think Tua could be great, wouldn't you still consider that and maybe trade Dwayne Haskins before the draft? No, because I I think that a lot of what we're going to hear Ron Rivera say about Dwayne Haskins is going to be coaching. And one thing that I think that he's being very careful as far as what he's saying to light a fire under Dwayne Haskins. And if you follow Dwayne Haskins on Twitter or on Instagram, you can see that a lot of times when those words come through, he might treat it like it's no big deal. He might treat it as though it rolls off his shoulder, but he always responds, which means he's listening. Um, and the the thought process that Kyle Allen's in there to light a finder under Dwayne, I think is a good thing. Um, I don't think on paper you can look at – no, screw on paper. I don't think anybody can look and see the skill sets of Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen and think that in a true training camp situation – Kyle Allen is going to outperform Dwayne Haskins. It's just I don't see it happening. Um, but that being said, if you can have Dwayne being like, yo, while we're away, you need to be doing everything you can possibly do to make sure we leave no room for you being the guy, especially when he's heard the stories about Dwayne Haskins issues coming from last year, if you believe a lot of the rumors that came out of uh, Ashburn. He's doing what he needs to do to light a fire under Dwayne, and I don't think there's any issue with that. I don't think we need to look any deeper than that. I think one that if you look just surface level, them getting Kyle Allen, knowing what Kyle Allen can be, he's not some start day one and take you to a Super Bowl guy. He's a guy that can come in there. He's still got a lot to learn, and he can learn together with Dwayne. We'll see what we have. Okay, makes total sense to me. Looking back, we can see that 
by saying, yeah, maybe I would start Kyle Allen. It is meant to light a fire under Dwayne and see how he responds. And if you're gonna if you're gonna do something along those lines, you could do what I've been crazily sitting here contemplating, which is picking up Cam Newton or Jameis Winston. Which somebody needs to. I'm either drinking too much, or yeah, you I'm, might be Kadeem. Might be. <laughs> but if you if that if that's what you think, if you're Ron Rivera and you think, hey, this guy's not the guy. There are talented guys still out there in free agency. Those two at the top of that list. Where if you do not have faith in Dwayne. You could pick either one of those guys up, and I think you already upgraded your quarterback position. I think he has faith in Dwayne. Okay, fair enough. And the last question I have for you about Tua, and then obviously we'll move on to other stuff. In a situation where, let's say, Ron Rivera has the opportunity to take Tua and ends up you know, wanting to do so, wouldn't picking Tua in the draft represent... We're talking about culture change over here over and over and over again. Wouldn't that represent the true culture change, which would mean that Dan Snyder's ego is out of the way because the Tua pick can be made? I think that you, there could be something to said about that, but I don't think it's mutually exclusive to it being a culture change even if you don't select Tua, right? I think that even selecting Chase Young and having Dwayne Haskins there with all the other things that we've been doing can still signal a culture change. Um it, it, the way that I would look at it is is that you have Tua coming in, being an unproven guy. You can do whatever it is you need to do as far as getting that guy in there. There's a lot of un there's a lot of things that you don't necessarily know when it comes to Tua, right? There there there's a chance you take when it comes to Tua as you do with anybody else in the draft. I think if you're looking around Varen, what it is you're looking at as far as a culture change, him picking the 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 overall what is looked upon as the best defensive player. When you have somebody as flashy as Tua, they're sitting there, speaks to a culture change. It's not an RG3 situation. It's what is this guy that's going to come in here and do and cause disruption on that defense? And maybe he is of that philosophy that defense wins championships. I'm assuming he is of that philosophy. I think that picking up Chase Young instead of the sexier looking pick when it comes to Tua or a guy that might sell you more tickets than Chase Young ends up being more along the lines of what the Redskins would typically do at least from what I can see, compared to doing the Chase Young or the safe bet or doing the thing that makes the most sense, if that makes sense. No, that actually, that does make perfect sense to me. I was just curious as to your take on that. So before we get into a Tua versus Chase thing, let's just move forward. So we do have plenty of other picks uh, in the draft. A second rounder is not one of them, but we do pick things up in the third round. Instead of talking about specific players, because, you know, rounds three through five, you know, five through seven, etc. People don't really like the ca- more casual fans don't really care too much about it. But what is your general philosophy in rounds three through five, for example, versus five through seven? How would you like the Redskins to approach the remainder of the draft outside of pick number two? The same way that I uh, the way, same way I'd look at chip pace, uh, pick number two, best player available. If you're not a running back, which is somewhere where I think we have enough of, regardless of talent level. We need people everywhere on that team. We won three games last year. If you can come in and you can contribute, I want that guy. I trust the Redskins to look at their draft board and to look and see whoever it is. I don't care what position they play. You can name any position the Redskins have a need for it right now. So that's all I want to see is just the best possible player. I don't need any... 
um, well, we need to make sure we get a tight end this round and we're going to come back and get out. Get everyone. We need them all. There's still some things I think they need to do in free agency still going for it, regardless of the draft. We need more bodies in here. Now let's name specific players for the less casual, you know, observers of the team. So to call this a successful draft, what specific players would you want to see join the roster? Are there maybe, I don't know, like three or four names you can throw out there for fans that, you know, we should be looking at in the draft? Yeah, so like I hate mock drafts, right? Because I think it's a waste of time in the sense of nobody's mock draft ends up working out. There's too many variables to look at, right? But if I were to look and gauge like certain areas, there are certain guys I look at. So like I've got rounds three through five. There's four or five guys that I look at where I say that if I see the Redskins pick up maybe two of these guys in that situation, I'm feeling really happy just because I'm looking at some certain guys that could fit into certain categories and just looking at the talent level that they have along with the coaching staff, I'd be very, very amped if those guys came in. So you said some actual names, right? So looking around three through five, offensive line, I think you have some guys that really, really show some promise. Number one would be Tyler Biotish. He's the center out of Wisconsin, right? But he he's center of Wisconsin. He got the Remington Award for the best center in college football. But the dude is versatile. He can not only play center, he can play guard. But, I mean, a lot of those guys can really play on the interior of the line, right? And he did one hell of a job leading the way for that run game that Jonathan Taylor was out there just destroying the Big Ten for Wisconsin, right? So, like, I love a guy like that who can come in. We need help on the offensive line. And I like guys that can move and play in more than one position, right? Because you need that depth. And you potentially need guys that can step in, fill in, and be starters. The Redskins have had that injury bug for years now, right? I'm hoping it changes, but we need guys that can step up and play. Um, uh, another guy along those same kind of lines would be Ben Barch. He's the uh, Division Three guy, um, St. John's out of Minnesota, St. John's, Minnesota. He's a tackle. He could play left tackle. He could play right tackle, depending on what it is. But you're talking about a guy who's extremely athletic. He came into college as a tight end. Really athletic dude. Um, he gained 75 pounds, and it's not like 75 crappy pounds. He he did what he needed to do as far as eating the right things and to build up that mass, and he still can move like a, like a maniac. I like guys like that, dudes that kind of move around, do different things depending on our schemes, kind of get with the run game, get with the pass blocking, kind of figure it all out. Not to mention he showed something at the Combine. I know I just said literally like 10 seconds ago that he was eating the right way, but have you heard about the Ben Barch smoothie? Honestly? I have not. Please tell me about it. So this man, in order to build up his mass and what he's doing in order to continue to try to build that weight so you can play in the NFL, his favorite go-to is a smoothie that includes grits, bananas, peanut butter, scrambled eggs, and red Gatorade. Oh my god. When you see that man on the sidelines actually blending that stuff for the reporters, and they both drank it, and apparently it wasn't as bad as it looked. I mean, I'm not going to try it, but it didn't look as bad as Hollywood, because the red Gatorade kind of cleaned it all up. <laughs> you see that dude with that kind of hair? He reminds me of like a Chris Cooley kind of crazy-ass guy that wants to come in here, and he's going to play his tail off. I like guys like that. Give me somebody versatile, somebody that... I mean, you're talking about a guy from D3 that made it to the combines and is looked on as a serious prospect, hunger. I like him. I'd love to see him on the team. Outside of that, as far as the uh, offensive line guys go, secondary, a guy that a lot of people are familiar with, Ashton Davis, safety out of Cal. Dude is just blazingly fast, 
five-time All-American track star. He's been a special teams just phenom. I think they gave him special team uh, player of the team each year he's been there. And Cal's not anything to sniff at when it comes to the special teams play. Um, he does need a few more things as far as his learning ability, as far as being in coverage. But his range is impeccable. And to think that you could have Landon Collins there in the box playing near the line, and you got a guy like that who could just run up and down the field. You got a Jack Del Rio, and you have a, uh, a Ron Rivera really honing in his skills. You got a Thomas Davis kind of teaching him things from a veteran standpoint. I love to see what that speed could do on that defense, man. It would be insane. And along those same lines as far as speed and on defense would be Davion Taylor, the linebacker out of Colorado. He's a guy that I also really, really love. Once again, really raw talent as far as just the dude has just the physical specimen. He's got everything you want from a physicality standpoint. He's a linebacker that ran a 4-4-9 in the combine. He didn't even play college in high school. He didn't play football in... Sorry, I don't know what I was just saying. Yeah, he I was going to say, well, play. that's good news. He didn't play college in high school. <laughs> he didn't play football in high school. He only started playing football in college because of his family's... Um, I think it was his mom's religious beliefs or what have you. She wouldn't allow him to play. But the dude is out there. He's learning the position as he goes along. And he showed flashes at Colorado that were just insane. And if you follow the coaching tree sort of thing... Head coach at Colorado's Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker, when he was in the NFL, coached under Jack Del Rio in Jacksonville. Jack Del Rio loved Mel Tucker so much that he allowed uh, he allowed him to call the plays in Jacksonville. You know that's a big deal for Jack Del Rio, right? Absolutely, yeah. Mel Tucker says that Davion Taylor is his favorite guy. If you're talking about a dude that's a coach that has been a coach on a coordinator level in the in the NFL saying that this dude is raw talent and all you need to do is give him the proper coaching, what better place than right here in Washington, man? To have somebody that can learn on the fly as we're going along with leaders like Thomas Davis, the same thing I said about Ashton Davis, right? I want the guys that just have the talent can be the best possible player available to come in here and contribute. And what it is they're going to do is we, we I want guys that have really, really high ceilings, guys that can come in and get the job done for us. Um, outside of those dudes, the only other guy that was kind of a flyer for me, which is Van Jefferson. It was the, uh, the Florida wide receiver. People know of him, but it wasn't like he was throwing up any flashy numbers or anything in Florida. Cause they were usually pretty stacked at receiver. Um, the thing with Van Jefferson though, is that he's versatile as hell. Um, he's six foot two, weighs like 207 pounds, but he's played every wide receiver position. So like X, Y slot, he's been all over the place. And he's just a guy that goes out there, he competes, he grinds, kind of like our wide receiver core right now. And you kind of sense that hunger that brews around the wide receivers. I think adding a guy like that to the mix only helps us out. Well, beautiful. And thank you so much for those five names. So just to quickly summarize what you just said, Tyler Biadish, his nickname is Tyler Badass, and he's a farm boy from Wisconsin. You can't go wrong there. So that would be a great pick. Ben Barch is a crazy ass dude. Um, You've got me sold. I want to, hey, if we could take it with pick two, I wouldn't even complain. That guy is insane. Whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that. All right. <laughs> you got me running through a wall for this guy. I mean, he's a D3 athlete. He's in the same conference, actually, as Carleton College, my alma mater. So St. John's, Minnesota, that hits sort of close to home in that respect. Ashton Davis sounds like a fantastic safety with range, as you were talking about. Davion Taylor. Guys, I'm not going to condone betting on this. But given the Mel Tucker, Jack Del Rio connection that Kadeen just pointed out, I'm just saying there are riskier bets out there these days. So 
that looks like a uh, nugget right there for us. Appreciate that. And then Van Jefferson, as you said, 6'2 Florida wide receiver, bit of a flyer. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, now, away from all that, best player available, as you said in the draft, let's just do something a little bit fun here, okay? And so I don't know if you're ready for this, but I'm going to ask you if you could put any one player, and it can't be a quarterback because everyone and their mother would choose Patrick Mahomes, okay? If you could t- put any one player on the Washington Redskins roster right now from any team, which player would it be? Uh, anyone. I think I have my one. I, I mean, I have it down to three. Uh, Luke, can I do a three, two, one? Sure. Go ahead. All right. So three, two, one, and I can give like quick justifications for each day. If starting at three, I'd go Nick Boza. Um, now, regardless of whatever I feel about him personally, politically, whatever, doesn't matter. Nick Bosa has shown he is going to be an absolute beast. He's already an absolute beast. To put him on our roster, maybe we do draft Tua. <laughs> if we can get that guy <laughs> on that defensive front seven, the dude's just a wrecking ball. He's a monster, and he's so young. So, I mean, you're talking about the years of products that you'd have if you had him on the scene right away. I'd love it. Number two would be George Kittle. I think um, there's a debate going about whether or not Travis Kelsey or George Kittle are the best tight ends. I'm actually kind of siding with George Kittle now just because of his ability to block. He was the best tight end in football last year. And to think that you could have a tight end that could catch the football and be a safety valve for Dwayne Haskins to really just have that guy he can always count on, but can also be the guy that helps him from getting his brains bashed in because he can actually block, not to mention to help out in the run game. I think George Kittle just makes your offense so much better. And we can see what happens in the league when you have a top-end tight end. They can mask a lot of issues on an offense, and they can be that guy that can make all the big plays when you need them most. And then number one, I would just say, kind of like my theme has been today, which is just best player available, the best player available. To me, the best player in the league that's not a quarterback, he might even be the best player in the league, even with quarterbacks, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald on any team, the dude's just a freak. He's the best player, just in my opinion, even though he had what people would consider a bit of a down year last year just because his numbers weren't there. If you just look at the tape, the dude can't be you're putting two or three guys on this guy every play he's just a difference maker and if you put him on the redskins front save him seven along the same lines and nick boza you just allow those other guys to kind of roam free can you imagine like a matt ionitis what issues people would have if they also had to contend with aaron donald being there it's a scary oh thought. my god yeah no chase young would be running free you wouldn't even need to draft chase young or so anything what's, else what's, is fine <laughs> what's your pick what's your pick what's your pick as far as the uh the player that you'd look at well, so actually, uh, to echo yours, I didn't think of uh, Nick Bosa, but um, if I had to pick two, yeah, it was going to be either George Kittle or Travis Kelsey at tight end. I couldn't figure out which one. I think I was actually leaning towards Travis Kelsey just because I think his range is absurd. Like you can throw up a jump ball, and um, Dwayne Haskins has a tendency to throw it a bit high. Kelsey could get all of those. Um, and then Aaron Donald, man, he is so good. I was thinking about this today, and I was just like... I. It can't be anybody else other than Aaron Donald. So you and I are echoing the same person over there. He's just a freak. I mean, I've never, whenever he's gone one-on-one with somebody, I think the person has, uh, you know, just been gone, obliterated from the league, out of a job yep. the next week. The, the guy is a wrecking ball, both to the quarterbacks and careers of offensive linemen. So Aaron Donald in a heartbeat. Now, flipping it, if you could protect one player from being cut or traded for the next five years. So let's say there is an expansion team, the, uh, what do I want to say, the 
the Austin Aardvarks. Oh my god, that's a horrible name. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know where that. I'm maybe gonna title this episode the Austin Aardvarks. If you could protect one player from that expansion draft for the next five years that is currently on the Redskins roster, who would it be? All right, see, that's a carefully worded question. Um, I think the, the the thought process that I would have would be, like, I have the answer that I think makes the most sense as far as the way you phrase that question, which would be scary Terry McLaren. Um, I, I look as far as a guy who's young, a guy who I want to see what he can do in this league, a guy that I want protected, and a guy who, if we lose him, I think it makes an entire core of our team lesser than. Whereas, like, you could look towards the defense and think of one of those guys in the front seven and be like, oh, man, I wouldn't want to lose any of those talented guys there. But I think there's enough other guys, and if you draft a guy like Chase Young, that you'd be like, you know what, we can survive, right? But um, what Terry has shown he can do from the wide receiver position, I think it would be an absolute travesty not to have him here for the next 15 years, just based on what I've seen year one. Um I think that's the one that probably makes the most sense. The one that I would be looking for loopholes and everything you're saying to try to make work would be Trent Williams. <laughs> if, if I knew that we could make somebody, if we could be happy here for the next five years, that's the guy I want here. Um, I know that's probably not going to happen, but that would be the one that I try to find some lawyering loophole. And the only other guy that comes to mind since I've been doing three guys for everything, I'm actually wearing my Ryan Kerrigan jersey right now. Uh, and I never want to see him put on another uniform just because I love that dude so much. Totally fair. And I agree with you. I think it's got to be scary, Terry, because, I mean, he is so good. He he makes any QB. I mean, we were going through the QB shuffle last year. He makes them look so good. And his jump ball ability, forget his speed for a moment. His jump ball ability is highly underrated. The guy can go up and get it. So he, he could, if he continues on this current trajectory, now it's only been a year as we were saying, but if he does continue on this trajectory, I could see him making a huge play in a playoff game. Um, and who knows, maybe that playoff game is a Super Bowl, depending on how things shake out. He could become a Redskins legend for sure. So I love the Scary Terry answer. And Trent Williams, I understand. I don't know about the next five years. Um, I could see him being very good for the next two to three years still, but I think, dude, he's been so injured. I think it's tough to say. Um, now, we've all been quarantining for a while now. Do you have any quarantine tips i'm gonna call them q-tips i'm sorry and also not sorry at the same time because i'm pretty proud of that do you have any q-tips for us i actually really like that i want to give you crap for it but it's i really really appreciate it oh hit hit a certain bone like it's just it it works q-tips yeah (laughs) well i mean to echo my man marshawn lynch i mean everybody just got to make sure you keep on your mentals and keep your chickens like safe you know what i mean no i'm joking um the uh I think this right now, um, looking through it, I know that I've got my ways and my things that I'm doing to kind of get through this all. I'm staying busy. But um, I think my biggest Q-tip is to not be so hard on yourself during this period. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are right now, you, you see it when you hop on Instagram or you hop on Facebook, there's Gary V yelling at you to make something of yourself in a situation that's like, the American society, American culture, the world right now is going through a trauma, in my opinion. And um, it's one of those things where whatever you're feeling, um, it's okay to feel that way. But don't beat yourself up that you need to have the next million dollar idea when this thing is out. Or that you've wasted your time because you don't do that. Um, it, 
I think that we've been working so hard for so long that take this moment if you're able to to kind of just breathe and relax just a bit and enjoy being around your family if you have them and you're lucky enough to be around them and stay in contact with your friends because there's a lot of people going through a lot of tough times right now. I know I spend a good portion of my days talking people out of their stresses and the traumas that they're going through um, and all the uncertainty and trying to build up people's confidence. I spend a lot of my days doing that. Um, and I, I just hear the same thing over and over again. Is that, that People are just terrified and they're also being really hard on themselves for feeling what it is they're feeling. And I think that you just give yourself the opportunity to breathe, understand it's okay, whatever you're feeling is okay. We're all kind of going through something, and we all have our different ways of um, expressing it. Um, but it, don't keep it all bottled up. It's okay to, to let it out. I think it's absolutely fantastic advice. Between not being hard on yourself and Polly Polo, you know, on the pod a couple of weeks ago saying, connect with your childhood self, be your childhood yeah. self. I think these are the things that we really need to focus on. And yeah, like you said, you know, really tough times right now. We don't know, you know, where the light at the end of the tunnel is just yet, but... Yeah, stay in touch with your friends. Don't be hard on yourself. Be able to accept what's going on for you. And when you do that, you know, you're more secure in yourself. And I think that's an absolutely beautiful answer. Um, one last thing before we hop off here. Yeah. You know, okay, so Nick Bosa, do you know, you know the Sullivans, right? Sam Sullivan, John Sullivan? Very familiar with the Sullivans. Okay, cool. Nick Bosa, does he not have the same face as John Sullivan? I've never thought about that. You just ruined it for me. Oh, my God. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing him on NFL Network after one of those Thursday night games, and they interviewed him, and I was looking at the guy, and I was like, that's that's Sully. That's John Sullivan. I see it right now in my head. Like, I don't even need to pull up a photo. It immediately clicks for me. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to all the listeners who have no idea who John Sullivan is. Uh, that is very much an inside joke here, but I had to, Kadina, I had to tell you that has been bothering me for a while. I'm glad no, I, I got some fantasy football there. with him. He's going to have to have a Nick Bosa related name next year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. I'm glad I did that. Well, once again, ladies and gentlemen, as you could tell from the very first time he was on the podcast and just now, I mean, the amount of information this guy has, he probably has two brains. Kadeen Wiggins, Redskins know it all. Thank you so much for being on the pod once again. And we look forward to having you back, you know, very, very soon. Thank you so much, brother. It's an absolute pleasure. I'll come back anytime you want me. All right. Beautiful. Have a good one, man. You the same, brother. Dwayne Haskins film session. Let's get straight into it. His very first NFL start is at the Buffalo Bills. That is a very tall order, but overall did all right. Two things I noticed. One, he throws a strong outside ball. He loves to throw that quick out, loves to throw that speed out. Those five, 10 yard routes that result in the wide receiver catching it and being able to step out of bounds. That'll get you a bunch of first downs in the league. He had some good throws with pressure in his face as well. So that's another positive we see from Dwayne Haskins. One thing I also noticed is that he does not really like to throw that ball away. I'd love to see him when he's under pressure at times, throw it away and live to see another down. Now to the important metrics. 0 for 3 in the red zone and 2 for 11 on third down conversions. Tough numbers, not good numbers obviously, but it was sort of a vanilla offense. It was a conservative game plan from Callahan in Haskins' first start. Third down, less than 5. He scrambles and fails to convert. Third down, less than 5 later in the game. Scrambles, fails to convert. The two conversions they did have, 
back to back actually, both in the fourth quarter down eight. One on a third and six to wide receiver Paul Richardson on an out route with pressure in his face. So those two strengths, strong outside ball, good throws with pressure in his face, did those, resulting in a first down. They then see another third down, and he scrambles into open space and runs for it using his legs. So show some versatility. He can throw that out. He's got his legs. Different ways to beat you. Speaking of Paul Richardson, he had a nice connection with him. There was a second and 13 he had in the game where he threw that out route again. Strong. Roped it over to him for a first down. And then there was a throw in the end zone just outside of Paul Richardson's reach, which would have been a beautiful first NFL touchdown. Wasn't meant to be. Four catches, 42 yards on five targets for Paul Richardson. Adrian Peterson definitely helped Dwayne Haskins out on the ground, breaking tackles, breaking ankles. Adrian Peterson looked like he was in his prime again. 18 carries for 108 yards. The game ended 24-9 Buffalo. Haskins, 15 for 22 for 144 yards. Zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. So overall, not bad. The grade, C plus or B minus. I'll let you decide. Sort of a nothing game because it was conservative, the game plan was. First ever NFL start, had a couple nice throws, but also a couple overthrows. Buffalo defense is tough, so this is understandable, and it's on the road. So he took four sacks in the game. You'd love to see him throw a couple away, but is where it is. C plus, B minus at Buffalo. Now against the New York Jets, he has a bye week to prepare for this game. It is the very first time he'll be playing in front of the home crowd in a regular season game, and the people are ginned up and for good reason because in early in the second quarter he had an amazing throw to terry mclaurin it's first and 10 haskins rolls back then rolls to his left and again this is to his left and he's right-handed throws an absolute dime 50 yards down the field in stride to Terry McLaurin, who takes it another 15 yards. It was a 67-yard gain that was called back for a phantom holding call on Brandon Scherf. But overall, he showed amazing mobility and an amazing arm on that play. And so that's the takeaway there, is that he can make the spectacular happen. Now the next play, you see the rookie mistake. It's a screen call to running back Darius Geis that's sniffed out by the defense. So what are you supposed to do when there's a screen that's sniffed out by the defense? You're supposed to throw it away. You either throw it directly out of bounds or you throw it to the running back's feet in this instance. Instead, Dwayne decides to tuck the ball and try and run to the opposite side. Normally, there's some sort of contain and that's exactly what existed over there on that left side. The New York Jets were waiting for him, end up losing three yards, and that effectively ended the drive. So we're forced to punt and we're down 13-0, but the defense comes up big for Dwayne Haskins. John Bostic intercepts Sam Darnold's pass and brings the ball down to the Jets' 16-yard line. We are in the red zone. First and 10, five-yard run. Second and five, it's a bad throw to Wendell Smallwood. Very inaccurate, it's underneath. Dwayne Haskins has no pressure on him, gotta make that throw. Then third and five, takes an awful sack. That was 100% on him for holding it too long. The Jets did not get there immediately. He even got to his second read, but just didn't pull the trigger on any of those. Gotta make a play on third and five. At the very least, throw it away. No one's gonna be particularly happy about that, but it makes the field goal closer. Regardless, Dustin Hopkins does make the field goal, and we're now down 13 to three. The Jets actually fumble the ensuing kickoff, and the Redskins are now at the Jets' 27-yard line after recovering the fumble. You get down to the 11-yard line thanks to Darius Geis' runs and a quick swing pass to him, so well done Haskins there. But then Haskins misses badly 
on a third and five to Trey Quinn on a quick out, which he is good at hitting. And he's open, so it seems like a clutch moment where you need to make a play, and Dwayne unfortunately does not. And Dustin Hopkins does not bail him out this time. He misses the 29-yard field goal. Another rookie mistake, poorly handling a low snap on a third and two from the Jets 31. You're in a great position to make a play, and instead it leads to a fourth and seven because you have to dive on that ball instead of handling it well. And the pass on that fourth and seven gets batted down, resulting in a turnover on downs. Fast forward a bit, game is out of reach, 27-3, and Haskins throws the worst pass of his pro career. From the Redskins' 11-yard line, first and 10, zero pressure on him again, Trey Quinn sits three yards up in the middle of the field as a safety valve, and what ends up happening is Dwayne Haskins misses him by three yards and hits a guy by the name of Neville Hewitt. He doesn't know who Neville Hewitt is because Neville Hewitt plays for the Jets. Neville Hewitt ends up returning this to the Redskins six yard line. And yep, you guessed it. The Jets end up scoring to make it 34 to three now. The game is done and dusted, but there were some positives to come now. Because the game's out of reach, the Jets are now playing a bit more relaxed defense. It helps Dwayne Haskins out. Darius Geis gets a 45-yard touchdown on a screen pass. It's Haskins' first ever NFL touchdown pass, and the two-point conversion is honestly a thing of beauty. He steps back. There ends up being pressure in his face. He pump fakes, forcing the linebacker to jump. He steps up past him, rolls to the left, and beautifully floats it to Trey Quinn for an easy two-point conversion. 34-11 Jets at this point. They try running the clock out a bit more, punt it back to the Redskins, and then Dwayne Haskins on a first and 15 after a false start makes a phenomenal throw to Terry McLaurin. Or rather, I'd say it's a phenomenal catch by Terry McLaurin. A 42-yard catch because McLaurin snatched it out of Marcus May's hands. Marcus May being a corner for the New York Jets giving Haskins a 42-yard completion that honestly could have been an interception on the stat sheet. But anyway, we move forward to a one-yard touchdown to Jeremy Sprinkle, which is off a bootleg for Dwayne Haskins, throws it a bit low, and so Jeremy Sprinkle has a lot to do on it, but ultimately it is a catchable ball and ends up being Dwayne's second touchdown of the day. The Jets win 34-17. Dwayne Haskins, 19 for 35 for 214 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. The grade I give him, a C, maybe even a C minus, honestly. That was a killer interception, even though the game was out of reach. There were many inaccurate passes and never truly gave the skins a chance to be in the game. He even took six sacks, so the sacks are now becoming a problem. But there were some positives, especially at the end. He did throw a ball away once, which is progress. There were a couple bad drops near the end where Haskins put the ball where he needed to, right on the money. The overall accuracy is still very spotty so far, and it evened out with playmakers like Terry McLaurin making plays for him. Kelvin Harmon even made a play for him on a third and seven in the third quarter. But those last two drives are something to move forward with heading into the Detroit game. So to quickly recap, we have a C plus B minus from the Buffalo game, and we have a C C minus from the New York Jets game. And now we're entering the Detroit game where he's playing against Jeff Driscoll at home. It is a golden opportunity to get a win. The Redskins receive the opening kickoff. First down, they choose to run the ball. Second down, they choose to run the ball. And on third down, it ends up being a sack and fumble recovered by the Lions. Just a terrible way to start the game for Dwayne Haskins. It led to a missed field goal by Matt Prater, though. So the game is still 0-0, and the Redskins get another chance at that opening drive. So here's take two. 
On a third and 10, he uses his legs to pick up a first down right down the middle. Great run, great instincts by Haskins. Then a third and nine, he delivers an absolute strike to Terry McLaurin for another first down. Huge, starting to pick up some momentum. Kelvin Harmon makes an unbelievable one-handed catch on a second and four. The ball is a bit high, it is a bit wide, but that's why you got playmakers, and that's what they do. They make plays. Kelvin Harmon made an unbelievable play, and now we're in the red zone. This is money time. This is where the throws really count, and this is where, through the first two games, Dwayne Haskins did not do a very good job, and here's what happened. On a second and eight, Terry McLaurin is more open than a 7-11, and Dwayne Haskins had time to deliver the ball, missed him wide left. Just missed him. It was heartbreaking to watch. But that's okay, because they're still third and eight, and unfortunately that was also an overthrow, albeit a much tougher throw, this time to Steven Sims. It results in a field goal, and ends up being the first lead that they've had under Dwayne Haskins, up 3-0, so that is a positive. Fast forwarding a little bit, the Lions kick a field goal, Steven Sims actually returns a kickoff for a touchdown, putting the Redskins up 10-3, Lions give it back to the Redskins after that. Dwayne Haskins has a very nice throw to Terry McLaurin on the outside between a corner and safety for a 20-yard first down, showing fantastic arm strength and accuracy on that throw. Now back to the rookie mistakes. Remember what happens when a running back screen gets sniffed out? You have to throw that ball away. It's 2nd and 14 from the Detroit 16-yard line, and it's a screen to Geis that's read by the defense, and once again, instead of throwing that ball away, he tucks and runs to the left, losing 3 yards again happens all over again, effectively ending a very promising drive, but it results in a field goal putting the Redskins up 13-3. You want these field goals to be touchdowns though. The Lions turn around, kick a field goal to end the half, they receive the second half kickoff and score a touchdown making it 13 all. Haskins opening drive of the second half is bad. Luckily, he didn't get McLaurin killed on a slant route he threw. If safeties were allowed to hit in the NFL like they could before, McLaurin's season would have ended right there and it's a good thing it didn't because he comes up big later on in this game. There's also a low throw on third and five that essentially hit the dirt. Once again, no pressure. Next drive, still 13 to 13. Third and eight takes another bad sack. It's a safety blitz that he just didn't see at all, and he had time to get away from it. Now the Lions end up kicking a field goal, so the next drive down 16-13 is a very nice throw that he steps into on first and 10 for a 25-yard gain to Kelvin Harmon down the middle. And third and six has his throw to Kelvin Harmon intercepted. Not a good throw, just not enough arm strength on it and gave the DB a chance and the DB made a play. Now fortunately again, Jeff Driscoll's on the other side and he's not making enough plays. So now we get the ball again, down 16-13, two incompletions to Harmon, overthrowing both. You're starting to see a pattern here. There are a lot of inaccuracies, overthrows, things like that. Again, Driscoll and co don't do anything. Third down. I'm sorry, not third down. Third drive, down 16 to 13. This, to me, was his best drive of the day. Dwayne Haskins, an underneath throw to Peterson for a first down. Great way to get yourself a little bit of momentum. Then, hits Terry McLaurin on a crossing route for another first down. On the money, no overthrow, nothing. Great throw. Then, Steven Sims actually gets a wide receiver pass and throws his ball away since no one is open. I found it kind of funny that Steven Sims immediately knew, hey, no one's open, let me throw it away. Something I'd love to see Haskins continue to do. Third and four, he overthrows an open McLaurin in the end zone. He burned Darius Slay. And again, McLaurin's more open than a 7-11, but the game is tied 16 apiece because Dwayne did lead them down the field in a clutch situation with 149 left to play. 
The Lions have the ball with a minute left tied 16-16, but Driscoll throws a pick to Quinton Dunbar, so now Haskins has a chance to win it. And let me revise my previous statement. This was his best drive of the day. Drive starts at the Redskins 46 yard line with 50 seconds to go. First down incomplete, but not a terrible throw. Second down scrambles to the Lions 44 yard line for a first down. First down, ball batted down. Looked like an accurate pass though on the all 22. Second down was a good low ball to Harmon for five yards. This is the type of ball that is actually accurate when it's low because it prevents Harmon from getting hurt. It's a nice play there. And then on third and five, a clutch pass to Terry McLaurin. A little bit high, but definitely well within the range of a good ball. And that continues the drive to the 21-yard line of the Detroit Lions. And with 16 seconds left, Dustin Hopkins kicks the game-winning field goal. The Skins win 19-16. Dwayne Haskins, 13 for 29 for 156 yards. No touchdowns. One interception. That lost fumble. Also had three carries for 28 yards. And some clutch yards on the ground on that last drive. The grade I gave him here, despite not throwing a touchdown... He had that interception. He had that lost fumble. I gave him between a B minus and a B. Now, why do that when he had an interception and a lost fumble, as we had just stated? Because he did enough to win the game, and he also didn't lose the game. Against the New York Jets, he did lose the game. He just played terribly. So by the time his good stats came in, it was already too late. It was 34-3 and then 34-11. to But this time, he hung in there. He made the plays he needed to make. And again... He ended up getting his first W as an NFL starter. So to review the three greats, Buffalo Bills on the road, tough game, C plus B minus range. Against the New York Jets at home, highly anticipated encounter and showdown with Sam Darnold, C to C minus, played terribly. That was definitely his worst game as a Redskin, as a starter. And then the Detroit Lions game anywhere between a B minus and a B because it is hard to win in the NFL and he did find a way to do it and he had a clutch final drive. From what I can see, accuracy and consistency are issues. Throwing the ball away is currently an issue. He is a rookie though, or was a rookie, and he is going to grow and in terms of talent, he's got it all. He can make every NFL throw. So excited to see what happens with him moving forward and that will conclude your Dwayne Haskins film session and that will conclude this week's episode of District Divided thank you all for listening thank you again to Emma Johnson for the first kick-ass logo of District Divided and the first one ever in District Divided history thank you Kadeen Wiggins for being an awesome guest once again on the podcast and for the new logo that is once again red white and clean absolutely love it next week Got Benjamin Robinson, author of GrindingTheMocks.com. I highly recommend you guys all look at it. He is a mock draft machine and expert. He's going to tell us what to expect from the Redskins in the draft. And then, again, another Dwayne Haskins film session, this time on those final four games. I have seen them a little bit. I'm going to dive more into them to give you more detail. Folks, he looked good in those four games so i'm very excited to bring that to you and on that note there's only one man that can take us out and he goes by the name of Polly polo i spent my whole damn life in the city anywhere i go dc's coming with me i spent my whole damn life in the city i can go for broke but the cash